Good morning, Nancy Rommelman here. It is a sunny January 3rd here in New York City. I sense there's going to be a lot of reporting coming up, and I'm taking a page from my pal Ethan Strauss over at the podcast House of Strauss, and I will be reading some pieces for you uh, in addition to doing some writing and maybe a little video. As you know, I will be going to Israel, but we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on here right now in reaction to Israel. Uh, and about that, there is a video, short nine-second video, up today on Twitter and various places of activists, pro-Palestinian activists, banging very hard on the window of a Starbucks. There is a sense that Starbucks is a supporter of Israel, ergo they must be taught that they are on the wrong side. I'm going to drop a little audio in here of what that sounds like. That's so crazy. Oh, see that? That's good now. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I mean, that's fairly terrifying, as you can hear from the people inside. Um, is it their intent that the window shall break and they shall run in and commit mayhem? I don't think so. I think they're out there, as I've written before and as I'm going to be talking a bit about here. Um, they're there because it makes them feel, it energizes them, it makes them feel like they're making changes in the world. And when the banging on the window becomes a breaking of the window, some people will say, whoa, whoa, hold on, and, and walk the other way. And others will be so energized by this moment that they will create further mayhem. We know this is true. This is true of every single mob we've ever seen. And when you create as I've said before, every movement creates an incandescence, and you are not in control of who is attracted to that incandescence, whether it's people that are really trying to do good here or people that are going to use your movement for cover or just because they are yahoos and you have no control over that. Um, yeah, this kind of stuff can be blinding. What else is blinding today before I get to the piece I'm going to read to you? Oh, what I was going to say, I'm going to do some reading for you. Some people like to read. Some people like to listen. I did have one um, faithful reader here uh, write to me saying he never wanted any audio, but we're like Burger King here. You can have it your way. Is that still their slogan? Maybe it was their slogan from the 70s. Listen, read, whatever you like. What I was going to say is... Speaking of ideology being blinding, man, what's going on with Claudine Gay today, the um, president of Harvard who resigned over various issues? I think it began with uh, when she was appeared before Congress and people didn't like her answers. And then now the accusations and, in fact, the, the facts of plagiarism. But it's pretty nutty how um, people are want to stick to the fact that this is sort of some right-wing racist cabal against her. I don't know. I mean, there could be people that feel that way, but it seems to me that most of us, when we went to school, were told not to cheat. And she was the president of Harvard, and I, I don't think those two things go together. Okay, I'm going to read you a piece that I wrote, well, I guess it was November 13th. That's what it's, it's telling me. Uh, it's called Humanity is Hard, Protesting is Easy. Subtitle? We do the young ones no favors by indulging their magical thinking, a dereliction that has led them to see slaughter as justice. I don't even know what it means to be human anymore, 
my daughter says, after her Instagram feed shows her a story of two college-age girls tearing down posters for a vigil for kidnapped Israelis. I tell her, those who have confidence in their opinions do not destroy the property of others. Also, that doing so is juvenile and costs activists nothing, as evidenced by the girls having a post-vandalism bagel, the torn posters on an empty chair beside them. Maybe they could not bear to look at the evidence. Maybe they imagined shedding, shredding the images would make them feel heroic rather than just hungry. Maybe, like many young people, they are insecure and go along with what their friends are doing which, at least on my feeds, are young people, including at some of the most elite universities in the country, blaming Israel for the massacre on October 7th and demanding the country suffer more, preferably by ceasing to exist. What principles do young people think they are upholding when they desecrate images of the missing and the dead? Also, how do those who've gone to the mat over dead naming see justice in murdering babies? A majority of Americans have no trouble detecting the difference between Hamas and slaughtering 1,200 civilians and kidnapping more than 240 others, and Israel's targeted response, which has nevertheless left thousands dead. Anyone who sees bearing witness to the October 7th massacre, as I did, will be overcome by the horrors Hamas perpetrated on human beings, horrors they themselves filmed and celebrated. Anyone, that is, but those who see progress in hacking off a man's head with a hoe, with killing children in front of their parents and parents in front of their children, with stacking incinerated bodies like so much cordwood. If progressive students and others on October 7th knew what to think of murdered Israelis, regrettable maybe, but they had it coming, they also knew what to do. Take the fight to the streets, make their voices heard, shout down opponents, occupy public spaces, they had the muscle memory to do this, had been doing it continually since Trump was the nominee in 2015, an animus fed on disagreements over trans and gender issues, DEI and Me Too, BLM and the killing of George Floyd. I covered the protests after Floyd's death for months, and so far, the public reaction to Israel-Palestine is near identical. If the script follows form, and that at present is a big if, the protesters will lose interest, having accomplished little besides keeping their appetites sharp for the next issue and its requisite rage calories. Those consuming and excreting those calories tend to be young and underinformed, at least here in cushy America, where campus revolutionaries have little to lose. It's not their blood in the street for which we can be thankful if appalled at the cultural decadence of it all. As one Harvard student put it, this sort of activism makes people feel exhilarated, and if it makes them feel morally superior to everyone else, even better. It really is an addiction. Like all addictions, this one needs to be fed. We've seen that any crumb in the carpet will do, a misused pronoun, an errant tweet. But big issues are best, ones where the tragedy of others can be transubstantiated into vehicles to show one's compassion, bestowed preferably via bite-sized incantations. Black Lives Matter, and all cops are bastards, no justice, no peace, and death to Zionists. This last is not spoken aloud much or not yet. The current chant instead sounds pacific, reminiscent of an Irish Mur Iris Murdoch novel. How bad, really, can From the River to the Sea really be? In fact, very bad. Though explaining it is code for wipe Israel off the bloody map and exterminate all Jews will make little impression may be seen as a further aggression. This is by design. 
Today's activists have made a fetish of victimhood, have honed it to a sharp and useful tool, able to carve personal prestige and defenestrate opponents and intimidate potential allies into submission, victimhood uber alles, and people on the agreed upon privilege list. Okay, let me say this sentence again, okay? Today's activists have made a fetish of victimhood have honed it to a sharp and useful tool, able to carve personal prestige and defend state opponents and intimidate potential allies into submission. Victimhood uber alles. And people on the agreed upon list, see Jews, laying claim to the status of victim, that will not do. Transgress at your peril. For those watching from the sidelines, these campaigns can be profoundly disheartening not least when considering the protesters' refusal to explain what, for instance, they believe ripping down posters of kidnapped children accomplishes. Give it a shot. Chances, will, chances are you will be met with silence or smugness. The parry is deliberate, a keep away from the figurative, soggy box in which they keep their idealism. Throw in one question and the whole bottom blows out. I get the Monarchian view of the world is easier. That the 20-something blonde girl who ran up to me during the 2020 protest in Portland shouting, the police are killing all our black friends in the street, could not risk knowing police had killed two people in Portland that year, both of them white, or could not without challenging why she was taking it to the street in the first place. But we do the young ones no favors by not asking, by indulging their magical thinking, a dereliction that has led to them to see slaughter as justice. I do not by constitution lean into doom. I am aware that the progressive drive to protest is mostly ruled by the drive, not by hatred. That it is as yet rare, inshallah, that we hear cries of gas the Jews. And I take heed of a beloved friend's dictum. Have faith in America, Nancy. I do have faith in America. That the ship will write that the teenagers who shouted death to the Jews this past weekend as they marched through Brooklyn will outgrow their stupidity and callousness. That the people who defaced headstones at a Jewish cemetery with swat stickers are cowards and fools. That the public school organizers who, in violation of state regulations, organized a student walkout and schooled kids in chants of, say it loud, say it clear, we don't want Zionists here, and from the river to the sea, are not waiting for the day when whatever fake blood they are smearing on their palms is replaced by the real thing. And yet, that most of them do not actively endorse murder may not matter. This is what I meant by the big if. Regardless of intentions, movements can gain momentum can attract extremists, can create opportunity. A man stabs a six-year-old Muslim boy to death. A professor shouts at a Jewish woman, go back to Poland, whore. Synagogues in Montreal and Seattle are threatened with firebombs. Hundreds of such violence altercations have happened since October 7th. And while every day I think, please cool down, please. And while it is certainly true that but a fraction, but a tiny minority here at home are gunning for an escalation of tensions. How are cataclysms formed, but from many small cruelties? It helps if you see the cruelties as righteous. In a Harvard-Harris poll conducted less than two weeks after the massacre, 51% of respondents ages 18 to 24 said the killing of civilians 
can be justified by the grievance of Palestinians, and 54% condone the violence and terrorism. It is hard for me to envision a majority of Americans after 9-11 condoning what al-Qaeda did, to see half my country, countrymen writing, they deserved it, over the faces of those killed in the World Trade Centers. Has anyone asked today's poster scholars what they might have done back then? Should we be afraid of their answers? We might assume it's naivete that has young people calling for a ceasefire. Maybe they missed the briefing where a senior Hamas official said, Israel must be finished. We must teach Israel a lesson and we will do this again and again. It is possible they don't realize a ceasefire with Hamas is synonymous with slaughter to the last Israeli. Or maybe they cannot risk thinking. I have no idea whether the pro-Palestinian activists who left red handprints on the gates of the White House realized the genesis of the symbolism, the 2000 lynching in Ramallah of two Israeli soldiers, soldiers by Palestinians, and whether, by knowing, they would care. For those calling for global intifada, we have to assume the answer is no. It's crushing to see young people fulminating with hate over issues they don't feel the need to substantiate. It's also dangerous. I may have cringed watching the video of the New Zealand student caught knowing nothing about the Palestinian cause she was promoting. And yet her benightedness is absolutely a feeder to real danger, to more blood spilled, when she and her classmates will almost surely, will almost surely never themselves experience at least not yet. No one knows how big the wave they are contributing to will get. Have some faith in America, Nancy, he says. I do. I do. Which makes it seem urgent that I spool back time to before October 7th, that I find the bagel-eating girls and show them footage of themselves in the very near future and ask them to come up with a scenario where this makes any sense at all. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be a whole lot more uh, coverage here and things for you to read and see. And please stay in touch with me. Please um, become a paid subscriber if you can. Help